You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Boy, that was loud. All right. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Message with Jason and Chris. <laughs> that was a little more peppy than a few seconds ago. Um, yeah, we're we're missing Jason Baker uh, for this one. Um, the elder thing really didn't work out well for him, so he's done. I think we 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 gave him a full. We did the six month trial, then we gave him like a full. All right, it's an official. And then we're like, you gotta go. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, he had a, uh, um, he's texting me now actually. He had a um, school meeting that he had to go to. These teachers, man, I I hope, by the way, just so to clarify, that was a joke. Jason Baker's still an elder. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but these teachers go through it. I've got so much respect for them. Um, the, amount of resources they don't have and the amount of attitudes and garbage they deal with all day long. Much respect to our teachers that may or may not listen to this. But anyways, Jason Baker will be back next week. Um, But just me and Chris, and we're tired. We are sleepy. And we went to lunch uh, a little while ago with Dwayne, Riddell Charlie, and that did not help, surprisingly. So, what did you order again? Well, you, well I ordered what you ordered. Puyo, Puyo Picosa, Picosa, Picosa. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> no like, as ever. They're like, we know what this guy wants. Yeah, they know what I want. <laughs> Just rice, or you got, you got beans. I got beans. If you get to dinner, it comes with both. If you get to lunch, you have to choose one or the other. Okay. All right. How much is the lunch one? I don't know. Cause that well, it was, one, like it was, it was like, like twelve bucks with water. So, oh, all right, okay. Well, anyways, we're sleepy, but we're gonna get after it. Um, since this is the giving series, uh, I have not ran anyone off just yet. Um, and if I was gonna run anyone off, this past Sunday was the one, like, because <laughs> that was the more. Then you don't know them. I don't know. Yeah, I guess maybe this Sunday will be the we're like who do we make mad? No, I don't think I didn't say anything mean on Sunday, so I'm around a line. But you offended the Philippians, I know them. The well, the first service I said Philippia. I don't my I don't know. Maybe it was the snow. The past two Sundays, like my brain is not has not caught up with reality to second service, so. Apologize to any first service people because my brain is not there. And I'm I wake up early. Caffeine was in me. It just I don't know. But yeah, I said Philippia, and I was like, oh man, that's gonna go on the recording. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That doesn't make sense. All right. Well, since it is the giving series, yep. question for us to start us off: When did you start giving to the local church, and what motivated you to do that? Uh, probably when I became active at this church. Okay. Um, 
And I probably gave some when I first started out, but probably wasn't anything consistent. I know this is the, this is, I guess, the first and only church I've been a member of since the church that I grew up in. Yeah. I think that's... What church did you grow up in? It's called Mount Bethel Christian Church. It's in Limestone. Oh, it was a Christian church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I tell people, like, this is the first Christian church I've ever been a part of. Um, um, but I, I'm wrong because the first church we went to and Versailles growing up was Woodford Community Christian Church. Okay. So, um, But I would say as far as what motivated me, I would probably say because the model my parents and my grandparents had, had always given. Mm. Um, I'd say it's probably with motivation at first. Yeah. Um, but now in... Eventually, uh, I just uh, felt led to do it. I uh, joined up with the mission of this church and um, and want to help support it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> so it's like giving was like flossing for you. It's like I just started doing it one day, and yeah, I, literally, I just yeah, and it just felt like something <laughs> healthy I should keep doing. Yeah. So no, that's good. It is a discipline. So. I might have shared this before. Um, I'm sure I did at some point in these giving series I've done every year. Um, Corey and I, we didn't start giving consistently to the local church until after Bible college, which Mm. is crazy. Um, And we were married young. I was 21. uh, She was 19. So we weren't very seasoned, I guess, and well, really anything in life, but certainly (laughs) not healthy Christian disciplines. Um, and no one talked about it growing up. My parents, yeah. no one, the church, I'm sure we got a few like Malachi passages growing up on giving, but no one really talked about it to my knowledge growing up consistently. Right. Um, and it never got brought up in Bible college. So, and maybe it did, I'll be fair. Maybe it did. And I was just a punk and didn't listen to anyone. <laughs> so, um, but I really don't think I heard my first get like true giving message until we were at that church plant in Louisville, Life Point, um, and Jamie, the pastor there at the time, taught on like God being the owner of all mm-hmm. and our responsibility as being a manager, and that's when it clicked for me that I was like, oh, I've not been a great manager. Um, so through all that, that's when we started to faithfully. Uh, give and things uh, drastically improved financially for us Um, and I'm not saying giving will fix your money problems uh, but I really do believe that giving fixes your begins to fix your heart problems Mm -hmm. and those heart problems were usually the thing that created your money problems (laughs) so um, and I, I truly do believe God blesses our generosity so uh, we started to faithfully um, give, and uh, that that solved a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I've told people before. I mean, I was, I mean, every month was like, "Where's our money?" And mm-hmm. we're like, "Do we need this TV anymore? Let's sell that <laughs> <laughs> and try to make it through another month." And and it wasn't. We were both working full time. It was just. Like just being dumb, um, so mm-hmm. uh, that f- fixing or giving really started to fix those heart 
problems for us. But yeah, it was, it was a life point. I remember sitting in the movie theater in Louisville, Kentucky, when we met and Jamie preaching on it and thought, wow, that makes a lot of sense. So, <laughs> All right. Well, let's set some things up for us, Chris. What does it mean for God to own us? Hmm. Well, normally, I would share some scripture at this point. No, I shared a lot. But you shared all of them. Did I tell you? I had, I had like... During your sermon. Yeah, I had like two different illustrations ready for Sunday, and they all just seemed dumb. Like, I mean, because I'm... Well, one, it was like they, were, they weren't serious. And I'm like, I'm trying to illustrate something serious yeah. with something silly, and I... And there's a time and place for that, but I was like, let's just give a bunch of scripture because yeah. there's a bunch of them. So and I listen and I listen to them during the sermon. More, yeah, and then I go home and I start to answer my questions, and I'm like, let me pop on the sermon real quick, and I'm like, I'm looking at, I'm writing down what you're sharing, and then I'm looking, I'm like, he has shared every. I'll, I'll, reference. There's there's a few more, I'm sure, but so. If yeah. you're looking for some scripture to back up what I'm getting ready to say, just go listen to the first three minutes of Jason's <laughs> sermon from this past Sunday. But now to answer your question, um, God is the ultimate creator and sustainer uh, of life. We are dependent on him. We submit to him and we acknowledge God's sovereignty over our lives. Uh, and as believers, we trust in God's guidance and care. Yeah, um, that's good. Simple as that. Uh, continuing with the setup, Jason, how are we slaves of Christ Jesus? I'll read some scripture that I reference on Sunday. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. I did not read verse 18, but it says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, who, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Um, and I'd say, I, I did read on Sunday the passage in Romans where Paul clearly says, we are a slave of God. Um, and then here we see that we've been purchased by God through Christ. So we glorify our body, um, we, or we glorify God in our body. We weren't purchased by God for ourselves no i'd say like a slave we were purchased by god for god um, so that's how we moved from the slave of sin and death to the slave of god and eternal life mm -hmm. so the question's not just to help us think through that the question is not here's what i want and how can god bless it that's like i think most of normal christianity today it's that's yeah. that's the mentality like here's what we're gonna do here's what i want in my life and we want god to come in and bless it the question is should be at least here i am what does god want so that's what a yeah. more that slave-like mentality so i shared all this on sunday to kind of get us to think through if all of that's true which it is mm -hmm. um then we are invited to partner together as, I guess, fellow bond servants, fellow slaves. We're invited to partner together in the local church um, to fulfill the Great Commission. So 
I read Philippians 4, 4 through 18 was the primary part of that, uh, of our time, but really trying to defend from Scripture. Why should we partner with the local church? So I gave a few points. The first one was we should partner because not everyone can or will. So for you, um, how did the church share in Paul's troubles? Well, the Philippians um, were one of the only churches that shared in his trouble by providing financial support uh, to Paul. Um, He highlights that this support started from the early days of their acquaintance um, with the gospel while he was in uh, Macedonia. And then the Philippians uh, continued to send aid even when Paul was in Thessalonica, um, demonstrating their commitment to supporting him in his ministry. Yeah. Sorry. Jason Baker, we need you back. Come yeah. back. Come back. Yep. It's just like, where's your, your curmudgeon friend, yeah. the Muppets in the balcony? You're just <laughs> stuck with me. Myself, yeah. You're stuck with me. <laughs> All right. Um, Jason, how can we have a real fellowship as believers? Well, by spending time with them. Um, with a focus on Christ and His Word. That doesn't mean everything is a Bible study, small Mm -hmm. group, mission trip. Um, But when you get together with other believers, uh, you do things that honor the Lord. There's the first one. Like you're not, you're like, we're not getting together to sin and call it fellowship. Uh, You get together, do things that honor the Lord. And then there's often, I would say, an eternal conversation that arises. Um, like for guys, like that can happen when you're fishing, when you're watching a game together, uh, you're just hanging out around a campfire. Like how many times I've, I've done those things with guys and you're like, you're just hanging out. But because y'all are both believers, there's an eternal component. Things about Jesus or faith or like how are you doing spiritually come up those are that's what fellowship begins to look like um i'd say all right so what does that practically look like um and i'm gonna bring this up because i heard it in a sermon from a local pastor um and i heard it last week a local pastor and i thought he was making some really solid points um just solid simple points with this to his point, he said, you can't really get to know people if you, and I'm paraphrasing, you can't really get to know people if you just show up on Sunday mornings. So to his point, it would be like an athlete only showing up for games. Uh, they never practice. They never come to a scrimmage. They never talk to teammates during the week. Um, they just show up to the game. So pretty helpful picture for us Uh, i'd say sunday morning at least for me like sunday morning is not our main fellowship time sunday morning is our main worship time that is enhanced by the fellowship of the saints during the week that's a good way to start thinking about it Um, so that doesn't mean we can't be friendly on sunday or our church can't improve on that like every church um and like I like I try to spend on Sunday, I don't go talk to my people. Like 
that happens. Like the people you see a lot, talk to a lot, you're going to just naturally gravitate to. But I intentionally are like, who's sitting by themselves? Who's, who's, um, who haven't I talked to this week? Like, who haven't I texted this week? Like just trying to find people that I don't get to connect with a lot, um, for a thousand different reasons and just go see how they're doing. So that's my Sunday morning, whatever. Um, but anyways, um, I'd say you're never going, going back to the question, like you're never going to experience true fellowship without spending a lot of time with people. Mm. Um, and that just is more than what can happen on a Sunday. Um, yeah. And I'll prove it. So this is Acts 2, 20, or Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Yeah. All came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions, belongings, and (laughs) distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, we get to that point, and you're like, yeah, we want church to be like that. Okay, verse 46. (laughs) And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, They received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Um, It's like we all want Acts 2 fellowship without spending time together day by day. If we want New Testament fellowship, we better be willing to have a New Testament schedule. Now, that doesn't mean, hey, Monday through Saturday... We're all going to get together at church and eat a dinner together. Um, but it does mean, like, how are we involved in each other's lives outside of the Sunday hour? Um, yeah. I mean, we have small groups. That's, I think that's the, that is the primary way for our church. Um, but if there's been seasons in our life where we couldn't be a part of a small group. Um, like when we first adopted the twins, the two new, newborn twins, and it was like, we can't do a small group right now. So, But we made sure we had uh, fellowship with a handful of believers in our church every week. Hmm. Um, so, And then we joined a small group again when we could, when they got a little bit older. So, yeah, that's simple as that. Day by day, spend time together. All right, Fortner, why didn't other churches financially support Paul? A bunch of greedy Corinthians. Well, um, the other churches may have had limitations in their financial resources. All right, all right. Uh, Other churches might not have been as closely connected to Paul or aware of his specific needs. But I know that you made the case that other churches may not have cared about others or Paul's mission. <laughs> yeah. Uh, about him um continue on and sharing the gospel uh with others. Yep. Yeah. It's where I, th- I think Paul <clears throat> it's more of a rebuke more than anything. So yeah, that's yeah. good. All right. We've got a couple back to back for you, Jason. The first one. Why doesn't wealth equal generosity? 
Uh, as I mentioned, I, I think Paul proved the point that the wealthy Corinthian church was not giving like the poor believers of Macedonia. Like wealth doesn't equal generosity. Right. You don't have to be a Christian to believe that and see that in our own culture. Um, when I first started doing a giving series, I tried to make it clear from God's word. Like many, many people think like I'll give to the local church when I have more money. Or I'll be generous when I pay off this debt. I'm like, cool. Maybe there's some truth in some of that, um, but that's not the heart of the Bible. Generosity is an overflow of the heart, not an overflow of how much money we have in the checking account. Uh, So I challenged our church when we first did this series a few years ago, like give what you feel led out of a generous heart and don't wait until you make more or wait until you're like, well, I can give a full 10% now, then I'll start giving. Give according to your means now, and if the Spirit pushes you above your means, um, being wealthy at the end of the day is just a subjective reality, and as we mentioned, we're all wealthy compared to most of the world. So, um, yeah, you're like, why doesn't wealth equal generosity? I'm like, well, because... Americans struggle to be generous, and we're wealthy. So, all right. With that in mind, <laughs> should the wealthy be more financially generous to the local church? All right. This is the most people are going to get out of me this go around for the giving series on this ten percent. Okay, I might hammer it in years to come, but uh, this is where I, I think I've changed my view on ten percent giving. Uh, we see this pattern. of the tithe since Genesis. Mm -hmm. So Abraham tithed to Melchizedek in Genesis 14, which I think we would agree strongly believe Melchizedek is God in the flesh. So right at the beginning of our Bibles, you see a offering, a tithe from God's chosen Abraham to the Lord. Um, So... Uh, I would say just because we are no longer under the law, that doesn't mean the 10% is thrown out the window. Um, it was common to give over 10% to the work of the Lord and the sustainability of even the temple. Um, so why is that helpful today? Let's just fast forward to today as New Testament believers. Um, because I would say it's at least some biblically rooted measuring stick. We should all be aiming for at least 10%. That doesn't mean that we're all there yet, um, but it's it's helpful to put some num- give some numbers on the board. Um, and this is why I would say why this is why it's helpful. Um, it's helpful for those with plenty of money. Let's let's pull um, let's. Just pull in some numbers. Let's say you pull in a take-home of $150,000 each year. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not going to get into the debate of whether you should tithe your gross pay or your your <laughs> what your take-home pay. That's a different conversation, whatever. Okay. But let's just say you pull in a take-home of $150,000 each year for your household income. That's a decent chunk of change around these parts. And let's just say you've been enjoying life in 2023 and it, um, it got to December 
and you caught like a generous bug. Like everyone's being nice and you're like, let me be generous with everyone else. So you wrote the church a check for $3,000. All right. That's, that's super nice and obviously very helpful for ministry to have $3,000. But let's run the numbers. Okay. You only gave 2% of your take-home pay the whole year. Right, people who make way less gave way more. So, you, like you essentially tithe, but someone with a thirty thousand dollar take-home pay salary would tithe. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just say, like I say all that to say, one, I can, I promise, I don't see church giving numbers for individuals. Just so people are like, is he looking at our numbers? <laughs> I'm not. Um, I don't have access to that. I don't want access to that. Uh, and no elder or treasurer is running the numbers on individuals in our church. It's none of our business. Um, but the 10% tithe is incredibly healthy for us to keep in mind. Like, you can make a ton of money and be broke. I get it. Um, and if that's you, I would just encourage you or anyone to faithfully pay down debt and increase financial generosity. It it's, at least gives us something yeah. to work through. Now, I'm, I won't say it's law. Because I'd say if we're under the law, yeah, you're you're sinning by not giving the full time. Um, and people, I can respect people that try to make that case, but that's just not what I'm going to do. So, but it is helpful. I've I've I feel like I've been I've backed off that too much over the years, and I'm, I've changed my mind some on it. So, all right, well. <laughs> Like the believers in Macedonia, all that being said, how can someone f- financially give out of extreme poverty? Hmm. Well, this kind of giving, I think, involves a willingness to sacrifice personal comfort or resources for the well-being of others for a greater cause. Yeah. Um, I mean, you take a deep look into your personal finance and, uh, and cut unnecessary items from your budget. Um and also knowing that we need to have the confidence that God will take care of our needs. Yeah. I'd, I'd say that for anyone, yeah. not not just people in poverty, but um, the key is not, it, the key is not the amount given, but the generosity of the heart. Yeah. Um, it's about the attitude and intention behind the giving, prioritizing the needs of others above our own material well-being, um, and recognizing that the acts of generosity could have uh, or do not could have, they do have an internal impact. Yeah. No, that's good. And I, I just for the context of the passage, like Paul is, um, when he collects a, a, a gift, a financial gift for the poor believers in Jerusalem, um, he's giving that gift from church in Corinth, like, and these, these, extreme those in extreme poverty in uh, Macedonia are giving to other people that are poor right and I say all that to say like Paul isn't saying all right well believers in Jerusalem you're poor so I guess you don't have to be generous generous in it like moving forward like you're the ones that everyone should be giving stuff to that's not the Mm -hmm. application of the scripture Um, so yeah I think it's and to your point, like, look, of course, no one's running the numbers, but maybe 
a dollar for you is generous right mm-hmm. now. Like, praise the Lord, man. Yep. Like, or I just say, likewise, for other people, $50, you're being stingy. Like, your heart's not in the right place. Yeah. You give $50 and you think, like, look at me, I gave $50. I bet that one person gave $1. Your heart's in the wrong in the wrong place. So it's about your heart, and I, yeah, and I, I'll lower it. Like maybe it's like, man, I got a penny. That's all I've got, man. That's all I got, and I want to give it to the Lord. Like praise the Lord. That's that's what a generous heart is, and yeah, the only person that sees individual giving is probably Marianne, who doesn't even attend this church, yep. and. She does that, uh, everyone's total giving, to send out your yeah. giving statement so you can file that on your taxes if that's what you feel like. I don't think it matters much anymore. I don't know what the rules for are. Me. Yeah, I, don't... I mean, I turn it in, but I don't know if it matters. Or, so, All right. Well, two, right? Two. Yep. We should partner because we are investing in eternity. Yep. Chris, what kind of gift was Paul seeking? Was it... Um, the new Air Force Ones or a convertible. <laughs> Those Nike Dunks. God, I'm seeking a gift of a beach house <laughs> and the Gulf Shores. No. Paul's primary concern is not the tangible gifts, but the spiritual blessings that result from their generous and sacrificial giving. Uh, Paul is emphasizing the internal Sorry, yeah. The eternal significance significance of their actions. Um, the Philippians giving is seen as a form of righteous righteousness or virtue that contributes to their spiritual well being. He's wanting to see, you know, he wants them to be blessed. He's like hmm. I mean that's the context of this of, of this verse. He's not the actual giving, not what you're giving, but you're you know, you're planting seeds for eternity, like yeah. eternal gifts. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, wouldn't you say that's that's not even the playbook of prosperity gospel preachers mm-hmm. in many ways. Like they, when they miss or misquote things or try to take these things out of context, it's more like if you give now, you'll be blessed now. now. Like right. So it's a harder sell when you're like give now and you'll be blessed. Wow. Whenever you die, I guess. Yeah. I guess so. It's an eternal mindset. But yeah, I don't hear that a lot from those prosperity gospel preachers that the blessings in eternity. It's yeah. it's whatever. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't think about that till now. All right. Uh, for you, Jason, what does it mean to financially invest as a citizen of heaven? All right. Well, first, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that we can't or shouldn't invest in this life for this life. Right. Uh, investing, saving for the future is biblical and and wise. Um, should be thinking like that. But as a believer, investing all of your money in the temporary is definitely not faithful to the word. Um, I had a friend share this with me last week, and I I, th- I was too prideful to put it in my sermon, so I'll share it now. Um, <laughs> But I thought it was really helpful. And if it's helpful as we think through those things, you know, let it be. But he said, would you invest $30,000 in a new kitchen 
for a house that you knew you were living in for two years? What if you uh, knew you were going to live in that house for the rest of your life or another 50 to 60 years? That's why uh, investing in eternity makes so much more sense. Um, so at the end of the day, like it's just simple logic. If, you, if we believe what the Bible really says, invest in what will last forever. Um, it's good. So yeah, uh, like my monthly giving to the uh, um, to the local church and missionaries, nonprofits, like that's an eternal investment. Um, and I'd say some like on, on like on a bigger scale, some that have the means, like they write gospel ministry into their wills. Like that's a huge way to invest in eternity, yeah. even after you die. So. All right. Well, there's those. That's good. All right. Three. We should partner because that is the method of supply. Yep. They're like, well, can it be something else? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is gospel ministry free, Chris? I've heard this a lot. Like, I've heard it even, you know, sometimes how I hear it, not like no one should be paid or like this shouldn't. I don't know. I hear it. I've heard it more like, well, let, you don't need a Bible college or seminary degree to be a preacher. You just have to have a right heart. And I'm like, oh, yeah, if you want to be, never mind. Um, and there, that, that that is 100% true. You can be an excellent preacher, very knowledgeable in the scriptures, um, and, not, and, and be faithful in the local church your whole life and not have a Bible college or seminary degree. Um, but to downplay that is like, no, that's incredibly important for people. Um, like, I just, and that costs money. So, I mean, seminary is not free, so it costs money. Am I answering your question? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'll shut up. Go ahead. No, I just said I would say yes and no. I mean, obviously, you can share the gospel for free, but your audience may be limited without financial backing. Yeah. Um, how, you know, how far it reaches, things of that nature. Yeah, while the message of the gospel itself is freely giving, um, the practical aspects of ministry often require financial resources. You know, churches, missionaries, and and ministers need funding to support their activities, their outreach efforts, and and the well being of those involved in the ministry. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, what we're doing here costs money. Yeah, I'd say you rounded everything up. This cost, I mean, it was at least $1,000 to get this po- this little podcast thing off the ground. Now, that means a yearly subscription to Podbean and the uh, just the mic set up. No, we're not spending that every year. I'm just saying it wasn't free. This isn't free. Speaking of podcasts, did you see where Google Podcast is going on? Is it really? Mm-hmm. I need to go back in that, and that doesn't surprise me at all. That you know, little tech rant. This is why I don't trust Google at all. I will, I will use their Gmail accounts, mm-hmm. and I will um, use their search. Outside of that, I don't. I can't imagine buying a Google device, and trusting them. Like they put out those last. 
Did they do you, the you stadium? You set me off, man. Sorry. You, like, they put out these last Pixel devices. And I, I could be wrong in this number, but it's like, we're going to support these devices for seven years with, with um, like, software updates. Mm-hmm. Because that's been a big problem in the Android world where, like, iPhone, they'll support your phone for, like, ten years with software and Android was just lagging behind. And so they're... Google said they'd support the Pixel phones for seven years. I'm like, I don't trust you to support it for the next five months. Like, they shut everything down. They, like, every year there's a new messaging app. I don't trust yes, them in it at all. All right, sorry. I sorry, this, man. To get us back on, we got one more question for the main point. Uh, Jason Payne, how is giving an act of worship? Romans 12, uh, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, Mm -hmm. that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So true spiritual worship is giving all of yourself to God. Um, so as we financially give, we are participating in that reality. Spiritual worship isn't giving uh, God everything but your finances. That's kind of we're like, well, even how we talk about the, that verse sometimes. You're like, well, if you can't give, you can give your time. Yeah. I'm like, what? That's not, it's everything. It's everything. Spiritual worship isn't giving God everything but your finances. It's everything. So Paul describes that in Philippians 4 as the, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, um, which I would say sacrificial giving is an act of worship. It's not giving God what is left over. It's not giving God the minimum. It's sacrificial. Um, for me, like I give, I'm giving up things to give to this local church twice a month. That's a sacrifice. Now, that's not a... Like, woe is me sacrifice, mm-hmm. but you look at those X amount of dollars, and you're like, well, I could use that to eat out more, buy this, or have this nicer thing every month. Yeah. That's part of that sacrificial giving. Um, and and hopefully I'm not, hopefully people aren't hearing this as like, his transparency, I don't want my transparency to seem like arrogance or oversharing knowing like scripture talks about giving in secret. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't, that's why I would never share numbers, but I think it's helpful because no one talks about it. They just, they're not, it's like, how do they know unless we tell them, tell them. (laughs) All right. Main point. We must partner with the local church. All right. Final main question for you, Jason. Why won't the local church fail? Well, Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And let me clarify that. Uh, the ecclesia, or as Isaac said, he said it in Sunday, uh, on Sunday, I don't know, first or second service, he mentioned like the big, the big C church. Um, that's what he's referencing. It's believers across the globe were part of the called out ones. But the truth is, the ecclesia does not exist without the local church. Okay, God's people have always been a gathered people. So I don't believe the local church will fail. The gathered people in a location 
with church government won't fail. No. It will be fully redeemed <laughs> with the return of Christ, but yeah. it's not going to fail. Institutions fail. East River Park, um, unless the Lord comes back, people may not like when I say this, but East River Park has a beginning and an end date. Yeah. We're not building a dynasty here. Like, like I think that's what most churches are like, we're going to start this church and it's going to keep going until Jesus comes back. And if the Lord wills that awesome, but I fully realize like this local church has a beginning and an end date, but the local church well, will not fail. Um, that's why I think we need more local churches. This area still needs church plants with every there's churches on every corner. There's more churches here than dollar generals for right now. Um, but we still need more churches, not dollar generals. Although, let me share this. The Ready Mart over... There's a grocery store Ready Mart over in Hampton? Yes. That's not bad. Yeah, I've been pretty, in there. Yeah, that's not bad. I've been in there. Maybe we need more Ready Mart grocery, like, grocery stores. It's pretty legit. Yeah. they have. Do they have, like, vegetables and stuff in there and fruit? It has been, I don't know, it's been a long time since I've been... I, I think I just went in to get, like, a drink and then probably bought some candy. Well... <laughs> <laughs> And that was a long time Everything ago. Everything that you can yeah. absolutely get at a Dollar General. Yeah. You're, Sorry. You're, you're a prime candidate. Yeah. What is, what is this? It's probably on the way to my, my yeah. grandma's house. And what is this demographic like to purchase at the grocery store? <laughs> soft drinks and candy? So like a, oh, so the whole group is a bunch of 10-year-olds <laughs> with money from their parents. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> what candy? What's I don't know. It was a long time ago. I you know what? I I've been to guess. Hey, you'd be proud. I probably got a Mr. Good bar if I had oh, to guess. Yeah, I'd go on. I've not been buying candy lately. So good for you. I know. i not. Well, I I guess it's good. I don't like it, but all right. Well, let's end this. Um, we'll end with somewhat of a financial question, just yep. completely practical. What's one piece of budgeting advice? You would give someone that's like starting out. They're like, I've never had a budget. I want a budget. What would you tell them? Well, I have multiple. I have more than one. <laughs> that's all right. Um, first, create a detailed and realistic budget that reflects your income, expenses, and financial goals. Yeah. Use technology if and you don't. Stick to it. If you're like, I don't know where that's how to start that, use technology. Um, my second piece of advice is save, save, save. Yeah. Um, and then my last piece of advice, and then I try to preach to my children daily and they still haven't signed up for one is that if you can swing it, start a Roth IRA yep. today, yeah. especially if you're young. If you started a Roth IRA? I have not because I'm not young <laughs> <laughs> and but I have you can zero start, extra money. You still have time. Yeah. I don't well, then how are you saving? You have an emergency savings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah. I have nothing for the. Hey, and let me tell you, I just I'm started this. Like when I get um, like with the, just the way the economy is, some of those high yield savings accounts. Like now, if you got fifty bucks in your savings, it doesn't matter. Right. But um, like you can easily get four and a quarter and up on high yield savings accounts, and then yeah. like yeah, I don't. Know. I mean, it's just making money it's sitting there as long as you don't touch it. Yep. So. You're talking about those short-term, for a year you throw it in there? and 
that what you're talking about? No, just oh. a, like a, like your savings account at Carter County Bank or some of these yeah. banks. They give you like, what, maybe half a percent? I don't know. It could be less know. than that. Or maybe it's more. I don't know. But like um, Goldman Sachs. It's like four and a... I mean, my, oh, I have one. Gotcha. I guess it's technically... It's actually, it's Apple savings account um, hmm. that's held by Goldman Sachs and it's... They increase it again. It's like four point three five percent. So it's not a ton of money, but you didn't do anything for it. That's right. So you might as well take advantage of it if you're gonna have it sitting there. Um, I for me, I would just say it's discipline. That's all it is. It's discipline. It's like you want to be healthy, discipline. And I I would schedule it. For me, it's worked out. Like I put on my to do list, check finances, like finances. I per well, it says personal finances, and I have to look at that every morning. Sometimes that's more because you got bills to pay, or you got to budget a little more. Or sometimes it takes me like two minutes. But sure. when you go, when any anywhere I go, spending any money. I don't. I no longer have to, like, swipe the debit card and go, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder what's gonna. Let me play the roulette game yeah. real quick. What's yeah. gonna hit first? Yeah. Wonder what's. Let's <laughs> go negative or not? I don't know. But yeah, it's discipline, and part of that discipline um, is just practice. Like yeah. I've been at this for a long. I'm I'm ashamed, like, how I'm too old to just feel like I'm at baby steps stuff but you gotta start somewhere so it's never too late just discipline practice and i a big one for me has been like learn if you're into technology like listen to pod like money podcast you know what i think it does for me that maybe it'll do for someone else if you have that in your ear a few times a week um, not only do you get some helpful knowledge out of it it's a, it's a mental reminder. Like, yeah, we need our heart needs to be right place, but a mental reminder like, hey, don't be a dummy with your money. Yeah. Like <clears throat> Yeah, you like your eating out budget is zero. So don't take the whole family to Freddy's for dinner. <laughs> like feed them some hot dogs at night and call it a night. But th- that's what those podcasts do. It just yeah. gives me a little mental check little uh, lecture from someone all right well that's it that's fun hopefully people know we don't we spend a lot of our lives not doing well with yeah. money so it's testimony it's not too late two guys with gray and white and their facial hair can still figure out money mm-hmm. all right oh yeah you prayed at lunch that's right i'm praying <laughs> God, thank you so much uh, for Chris and his willingness uh, just to record, and we're thankful for your word and uh, the challenge that it gives. And and God, I I do pray. I pray for those that that are struggling um, financially right now that they just don't have enough, um, and they're hurting. And I I just pray that, um, one, if there's any ways that we can help them, I pray that, that that would be revealed. And uh, I pray that you would fill them with hope uh, that it doesn't have to be this way or it won't be this way forever. Um, 
And God, I pray for, for all of us that we would think through, consider um, that you would create in us a generous heart. And we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen.